lunch, come back, and open. And there are some people that will wait for them to open at two. Uh, but you will see Christians, they have no value for time with their God. They have no value for time with their God. And that's one reason we have temporarily stopped our Wednesday services because people just can't avail themselves. Even when it is a Wednesday evening for one hour. But uh, when we move to the other side, You can continue with your business. The house of God will be open when it should be opened. And we'll do God's business, finish God's business, and go. And I don't even know now that it is far what some of us are going to do. But that is the time when we will know which was ripe and which was unripe. Amen. Uh, Mark chapter number 9 Verse number 50, I, by the grace of God, hope I will not be long on my feet. Mark 9 and verse number 50, salt is good. What a statement. Salt is? Yeah, I know, I know. Medically, they are going to be telling you, you should not take salt. Salt is not good for blood pressure and so forth. What does the Bible say? Salt is good. Okay? Salt is? God is? Salt is? But, if the salt have lost its saltiness, wherewith will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace one with another. And in Matthew chapter number 5, the two scriptures that uh, we want to build our message on, Matthew chapter number 5, and the scripture verse number 13. You are, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savour, wherewith, if the salt has lost his flavour, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of man. And the last verse says, the second following verse says, you are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill, cannot be hid. Now Jesus said, you are, you are. What are you? The salt of the earth. And salt is good. You are the salt of the earth, and salt is? 
Now the title of this message is You are the salt of the earth. You are. Not you should be. Not you will be. But you are. The salt of the earth. Jesus was emphatic. It was not his, it was not his wish that his disciples would be salt. No. He said, you are salt. You are the salt of the earth. How things have changed. Today, God in heaven may not confidently say, we are the salt of the earth. Today, God may not be as confident as he was with Job. When he was talking to the devil, he said, Have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in all the earth. God in heaven knew that Job was the salt of the earth in his day. Jesus was not asking his disciples to be the salt of the earth. He told them what they were. He said, you are the salt of the earth. And Jesus was not saying that his disciples should be what he was not. He knew he was the salt of the earth himself when he was here. In John 9 and 5, he said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He said, you are the salt of the earth. He said, you are the light of the world. He said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus never doubted who he was or who his disciples were. He said, we are salt. We are the light. Anything else contrary to this statement is a misnomer. Now when Jesus called his disciples the salt of the earth, he provided us with the greatest compliment that can be paid to anyone. You are the salt of the earth. You know, in ancient times, salt was highly valued. Very highly valued. The Greeks called salt divine. Theon, divine. The Romans used to say, there is nothing more useful than sun, the sun, and salt. There is nothing in this world as useful as the sun and the salt and salt. So when Jesus was saying that his disciples were the salt of the earth, he was saying that they were very useful 
they were very important. They had a very important role to play in the world and they could not run away from it. As a matter of fact, we are told that the word salary, as we know it today, comes from the Latin word for salt, salarium. Because it is Roman, some people refuse these days, but they say that in ancient times, soldiers were paid with salt. So you work a whole month, and your salary will be salt. You're giving salt. How precious was salt in those days? In Jesus' days, salt was so connected to the minds of the people with three qualities. When you mention salt, People knew three things you must be about to, you mean, or you, or you, you imply. Number one, salt was connected with purity. And without doubt, the, the glittering whiteness of salt made it, this connection very easy. The Romans said that Salt was the purest of all things because it came from the purest of all things, the sun and the sea. Salt in history was one of the earliest primitive offerings to God, to the gods. When you went to offer one of the things in early days, they carried, the most important thing they carried was salt. And even in the Old Testament, salt was used in sacrifice and in offerings. In Leviticus chapter number 2 and uh, verse number 13, there are many other scriptures But in Leviticus, uh, chapter 2, and verse number 13, Scripture says, And every oblation of thy meat offering shalt thou season with salt, neither shalt thou off, uh, suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from thy meat offering, with all thine offerings, thou shalt offer salt. If Christians are to be the salt of the earth, they must be examples of purity. The world has many characteristics of lowering standards. The farther back you know, you go, the purer things were, especially in religion. 
Now I was listening to a message which we preached uh, 11 years ago. And in that message, there is a story that we told 11 years ago. How that in a certain barrio, a Catholic priest uh, uh, bringing the barrio to an end, he said, if there be, if there is any other preacher here from any other denomination, let him come and pray to fulfill the requirements of ecumenism. And the preacher said he was there in that meeting. In fact, they were burying one of his relatives, but he did not rise to go and pray just to fulfill the requirements of ecumenism. And the, preacher, the message was on how to keep yourself unspotted from this world. How to stay away from the mark of the beast. But some of us, we do not have the slightest idea about the purity that God requires in our minds and in our lives as Christians. We will offer sacrifices any place that we see. We will go to church anywhere we see. We do not have the slightest idea what the mark of the beast might be. And how, and the message was saying, partly it was saying, that what we should keep away from is not to receive the mark of the beast. We already have the mark. What we should be struggling now is to remove the mark from us. Because we already have it. That was a message delivered 11 years ago. Some of us don't have the slightest idea what the mark of the beast is. And so we, we feel like we are free to go anywhere as long as I've walked into a church, it's okay. It's not okay. You are the salt of the earth. You salt symbolizes purity. Purity. The world lowers, keeps lowering standards, standards of honesty, standards of diligence. When other people are sneaking out of office to do their thing, are you also sneaking out? Or are you giving a just job? For a just pay? Or are you stealing from your employer? Must you work under supervision? A Christian does not need supervision. He answers to God. He's faithful to God. He fears his God. Therefore he gives a little more than what is expected of him. Just 
to ensure that he does not steal from his employer. Because a true Christian is not a thief. True Christians do not receive bribes and they do not give them. Because they are answerable to God. They want to remain unspotted. Uh, there is a scripture in the book of James 1. Uh, the last verse 27 says, the one scripture that says pure religion and undefiled before God is this. There is to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. And then he says, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. A true Christian keeps themselves unspotted. Keeps themselves so that they are not, they do not carry the impurities of this world. They stay pure to God. The world lowers standards of morality. Christians hold standards up where God wants them to be. The Christian must be the person who holds aloft the standards of absolute purity in speech, in conduct, and in thought. Holding I the standard of absolute purity in speech. The Christian ensures that out of his mouth foul words do not proceed. When other people are speaking loosely, the Christian doesn't. He understands he's the salt of the earth. Amen. The second thing that was in the minds of the listeners of Jesus, New Testament Christians, was that salt was a preservative. It was the commonest of all preservatives. You know, salt was the main thing that was driving commerce in ancient days. Infrastructure, roads were built to transport salt. Business, the business of selling meat, preserving meat and foods for distances. The only thing that, with, that which could be, could be used to preserve food and the meats and things like that was only salt. There was nothing else. There was no refrigeration in the day. So salt was so important. Food would, be, would go bad without salt. So salt was used to keep things from going bad and to hold putrefaction. The, the, decay, the, the, the factor of decay at bay. And that's exactly what a Christian is. A Christian keeps the society from going bad. When people rise up and they want to do mob justice, Christians stand up and stop the people. 
You understand what we are talking about? Christians hold the standards high. They keep, they preserve community and the earth and the world. Salt preserves from corruption and rottenness. That word corruption. Did you hear that word? Christians, salt preserves from corruption and rottenness. But when you say that word corruption today in this country, the country today, the Kenyan country, cannot stand straight on our feet because of corruption. But when you get to hear the names of the people that are corrupt, their names begin with a Christian name. That is a sad state of affairs. As a matter of fact, even many preachers are corrupt. The plots on which they build their churches have been acquired through corruption. How can you obtain a piece of land through corruption and on it purport to build an altar for God? How? The church should be number one on the line of repentance for acquiring things through corrupt means. And behind the church should be all Christians repenting. If Christians are to be the salt of the earth, they must have a certain antiseptic influence in life. We all know that there are certain people in whose company, in whose presence, it is easy to be good. When you are around those people, you know you will be a good man the whole day. Because in their presence, you cannot play. You cannot sneak and do something wrong. And we all know there are some people in whose presence, standards drop. Standards are relaxed. And things are lowered. Just like in school you knew. If you knew the teacher who was, going, who was on duty. You know, we understood our teachers by their character and their standards. There are those that even if you come late, you just smile to them. You go. But there are those when they are on duty, you will run. You will run. You will wake up early. You will run. Because who is on duty? So and so is on duty. Hey, don't you know so and so is on duty? When, when they, you hear the bell, ding, 
and you are having you are on break and you know so and so is on duty you obey the bells as they are rung isn't it now christians should be people in whose presence people just want to be good because you have that antiseptic influence in their lives when you are with them they cannot mess up but imbaya so and so is around we cannot play about you also remember whether in college or in school when some teachers walk into the classroom you continue making noise you continue talking the teacher has come in but you are still talking why in their presence standards are lowered but others he's not even coming to the class he's just passing you all, it's like water has been poured on you you all silence for the next 5 or so minutes because you don't know whether he's standing next there what kind of a christian are you jesus said you are not you should be but you are the salt of the earth christians must be the cleansing antiseptic in any society in which they happen to be cleansing antiseptic by their presence alone corruption must be defeated by their presence alone evil must be defeated by their presence alone it should be easier for others to be good and then thirdly the greatest and most obvious quality of salt is that it lends flavor to things i think that's the main thing that we use salt for but in case you didn't know if you cut yourself accidentally in the house you have salt for home remedy okay you have salt for home remedy don't remember this but there is I was looking at how to keep things longer in a fridge and make sure that they don't go bad. I don't remember whether it was sour milk or something like that and it was said uh, pick a pinch of salt and, and and put in it. And it will remain fresh for a long time. Salt lends flavor to things food without salt is a sickening thing food without salt is an insipid thing i mean it's it's boring 
Christianity is to life what salt is to food. Christianity to life is what salt is to food. Christianity lends flavor to life. The problem is that over the years, Christianity has been connected with the exact opposite. Today, sad to say, if you want not to be paid back your money, lend it to a Christian. Today, if you want your business to go down, ensure that all your customers are Christians. And give to them on credit. How sad to say those statements concerning people whom Jesus emphatically said they are the salt of the earth. One long time American judge Oliver Wendell Holmes once said, I might have entered into ministry if certain clergymen I knew had not looked and acted like undertakers. I may have entered the ministry there was a high chance for me to become a preacher. But certain clergymen I knew acted and looked like undertakers. Are there some people that look at you and say, if this is what Christianity is, then I don't want none of it. Mahatma Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi is quoted to have said, you are Christ I like, but you are Christians I don't like. In a depressed world, Christians should be the only people who remain full of the joy of life. But one emperor in Rome, Emperor Julian, uh, Constantine's nephew, once said that Christians were pale-cheeked. 
and that they desire not the joys of life. He said, Christianity, he said, took the vividness out of life. Now, we, we actually can excuse Emperor Julian. Christians in history call him Julian the Apostate. But this man had a right because all his family was killed and slaughtered by Christians. And I think Julian was left because he was about five years of age and he was left with another young boy who, who was sickly. When every other person was killed and destroyed by Christians, only those two survived. A few years later, the sick one got well. You know, sicknesses don't last forever. And he became the emperor in some area of Rome. And he used his power to set Julian free from captivity where he had been put in house, house arrest. So what do you think when later on he became an emperor? When he had seen his entire family killed and slaughtered by Christians. You see, where we are is not a good place. We need to recover that witch, the sparkle. We need to recover the sparkle of Christianity. And lead a life that can be attractive to people. People should be able to know that they can knock on our doors and get a favor. But some of us, even our fellow Christians cannot get anything from us. There should be a sparkle about Christians. There should be something, some shining something about us. Something desirable about us. But too often, most of us, most of us dress like mourners. And speak like a discouraged lot. May God help us. I say may God help us. And Jesus went on to say, if salt has lost its saltiness, then it becomes good for nothing. Now, it's interesting, salt never loses its taste. But there must be something Jesus was saying here. There's a possible explanation as to how salt can lo lose its saltiness. But there is something, even before digging deeper, there is something Jesus is saying. And we have said it before in other messages. 
that uselessness always invites disaster. I say uselessness always invites disaster. If as Christians we fail to fulfill our purpose, then we are inviting disaster. If that for which God wants us to be, we fail, then we invite disaster. If we fail to bring purity into the world, if we fail to provide the antiseptic power into the world, if we fail to bring the radiance that we ought to bring into life, then we invite disaster. We henceforth become good for nothing and the thing that remains for us is to be thrown and to be trodden under feet of man. Now, in the early times of the church, if a Jew became an unbeliever and then returned to the faith, before he was received back into the synagogue, as part of his repentance, he was supposed to lie across the door of the synagogue and invite people, come, walk on me. As you enter the synagogue, step on me because You say, trample upon me who has become sold, which has lost its ever. So can you imagine? You left the faith, you want to come back, but before you can be accepted, you lie at the door of the synagogue, and then you invite people, come, step on me, because I am sold that lost its taste. So people come step on you as they walk. Not jump on you, no, step on you. Then walk in. Jesus said, when salt has lost its saltiness, it henceforth becomes good for nothing. But to be thrown and to trampled over the feet of men. When it becomes good for. Huh. Did we read? Matthew. Let me just make a final reading of that portion of scripture. Matthew 5. You are the salt of the earth, verse 13. But if the salt have lost his savour, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing. But what did we hear in Mark? Salt is? Salt is good. Salt is good. But now, when you lose your taste, you are now good for nothing. Good for nothing. 
but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of man. May God help us to recover that sparkle. May, may God help us to recover and to ensure that we maintain that purity in our lives. Purity in our lives. In Mark, Mark 9 we read, have salt in yourselves. Be salty. Have salt in yourselves. Have taste. Don't be like every other person. Let there be something that makes you distinct as a child of God. The way you walk, the way you talk, the way you act. Be a person that cannot be corrupted. I spoke to someone on Nyayo House and uh, because I needed my passport renewed with haste. Just spoke, spoke to a stranger. After having done everything right and after having left it, I just talked to someone. A stranger. I said, I have just dropped my passport and I need it urgently for this and that. He told me, make a photocopy of the same. I made a photocopy of the way bill and I went on my way. Two weeks later, I called him. They told him, he told me, come and pick your passport. I went and picked my passport. But then he told me something that keeps ringing in my mind. He said, Pastor, I am not a corrupt man. He said, from the top floor to the ground floor where we are, everybody knows. I do not take bribes. So even if you have something you want to give me, I don't want it. You go home. When are we going to have people like that? And imagine if, if we have several people like that. But some Christians, oh, God help us. Shall we pray? And let's just ask God to help us to maintain this saltness. And if we don't have it, that we may have this flavor, this saltiness. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of making us sold to this present earth. Help us, Lord, never to forget who we are, the sold of the earth. Help us to abide faithful to our calling as preservatives, as purifiers, and as the spark and the flavor of life. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.